Hallelujah. We thank God you have tuned in to this message by David Entry at Caris Church. No hand can help you with the fulfillment of your destiny but the Word of God. May God's hand align with you further into your destiny through this Word. Acts chapter 2. Reading Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 all the way to verse 18. It's a long one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man had them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea and in Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, in, in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues to the wonderful works of God. Verse 12, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Father, thank you, thank you, and thank you again that you have qualified us to assemble here so we can hear your word taught in power and under the influence of the Spirit. As your word is taught, Holy Spirit, I submit my faculties under your influence. Let me not speak my opinion. Let me speak that says the Lord. Let your word have an unhindered flow through my vocal cords as I declare your word. I pray that give us listening ears that as we hear your word, we can hear from you. As we hear your word, we will see Jesus. As we hear your word, your spirit will enter into us again. 
and you pour out your spirit upon us for the purpose of your end time assignment. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a very beautiful text. Beautiful, beautiful text. Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. And the Bible says that when this was noised abroad, there were people who were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men who had come from every nation. Devout men. And they, they were dwelling at Jerusalem, devout men in every nation. And they came, verse 6 says, now when this was noised abroad, watch this, the multitudes came together and were confounded because every man had them speak his own language. You have to understand the text very carefully. The Bible says that, first of all, look at the text very carefully. They didn't come together because they had their own language. It was a sound, verse 2. Suddenly, a sound came from heaven. That sound that came from heaven had an impact or was expressed in the verse 6. Verse 6 says that when this was noised abroad, a sound, people, people heard noise or they heard a sound and the multitude came together because of the sound. So they didn't actually know, they, some, as, as certainly this sound you have to stop everything to listen to. Not because it was a big bang. Not because it was so loud, it's like something has happened, everybody wants to hear. No, this one, it was a unique sound that came from heaven. It drew people to want to come and hear what it is. They were minding their own business, but something heavenly was attracting them. It's a sound. And then when they came, lo and behold, they heard the people speaking in their own language. So they were confounded. What's going on here? So in the first place, they came not because of the language, they came because of the sound from heaven. Hallelujah. You study scripture very carefully. Every time the Holy Spirit comes upon people, there was a sound. There was a sound. You can't have the Holy Spirit without knowing. When the Holy Spirit comes, it will be evidence that something heavenly has come. So they came together and then they were confounded. Some were very confused and worried. And they were saying, wow, this is amazing. Some were saying, this is, this is wonderful. This is amazing. Bible said they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, behold, are these not all Galileans? How come they are speaking our own They were amazed. Then others also said, verse 13, others also said, they were laughing at them. They said, these people have had a lot of alcohol. <laughs> it's interesting how when church is going on, people outside have their own opinion, and they are very convinced about what's happening inside. They don't know. They are very convinced. Like people who take the Bible and tell you they know what the Bible, they've studied theology, so they know what the Bible is talking about. And, and they begin to vandalize the scripture. It, the fact that you have an idea of something doesn't mean you know exactly what's going on. And so they said they were drunk. Were they drunk? No. But this, those guys were convinced that they were drunk. Peter stood up and said, these guys are not drunk as you suppose. They are not drunk. 
as you suppose. See, it's very early in the morning. In Jerusalem, if it was landing different. But in Jerusalem, we don't do that. In Jerusalem, people don't drink early in the morning. <laughs> Nine o'clock, they are drinking. No, we don't do that. We don't do that here. So they cannot be drunk. You should have thought through that. They cannot be drunk. But like the assistant, he said, this, what you are experiencing, which you call drunkenness, this is that. What? He points them straight. These are Jews. These are Jews. You have to point them to scripture to make meaning. He points them straight to the prophet. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, who we all respect. Joel spoke about this. And it's happening real. You, you are living full life. You are living the prophecy. Joel prophesied many people, many generations have been waiting for this. And guess what? We are so privileged to be in the thick of it. We are in it. It's happening. And yet we are misinterpreting it. He said, this, what you are talking about, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 17. And he says, it shall come to pass in the last days. I always get distracted because it tickles my interest and excitement that that phrase, saith the Lord. Is it, this, is, this is that which was spoken by, who spoke it? Verse 16 said, this is that which was spoken by Joel. But Joel speaking was saith the Lord. God always speaks through vessels. So he said, this is what Joel spoke, but don't, don't give Joel the credit. Because it was actually God. He said, for it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. In the last days, saith the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I will pour it out. That tells you number one, the spirit is like a liquid or water. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, it's very interesting to notice that nobody was authentic as a prophet unless you spoke about coming Christ. The value of a prophet has everything to do with the Christ in his speaking because Christ is the word of God. You cannot be a valued prophet if we can't find Christ in your mouth. If we don't find Christ in your mouth, the Bible says that the essence of prophecy, the core of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus in the book of Revelation chapter 90. So the spirit of prophecy is the testimony, the core, the heart of prophecy is a testimony, testifying about Jesus. So when Christ came, all the Jews knew the prophets have said Christ was coming. Everybody who had a prophetic assignment had to speak about Christ. So they spoke about the Christ, the coming Messiah, the coming Messiah. Isaiah is called the Messianic prophet. He spoke more about the Messiah so much. He spoke, in fact, some of Isaiah's comments and Isaiah's statements where he was speaking like in the first person, like he's the Messiah. He spoke the words of the Messiah. Isaiah was an amazing man, amazing prophet. Anytime I'm preaching and I have to quote from Isaiah, I get very excited. I get to quote Isaiah. It's a powerful thing. So, uh, the prophets were always speaking about the coming Christ. Then, Christ comes. And then when Christ comes, he starts his ministry after the baptism in the river Jordan by John the Baptist. 
And the Holy Spirit Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 3 verse 16, that the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit descended. When Jesus was baptized, he went up straight out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and alighting upon him. The Spirit descended and alighted upon him. I was teaching somewhere, and I spoke about how in the days of Noah, when the waters, after the flood, Noah sent the dove, but the dove didn't have a resting place for his feet, so he's been flying for generations. The dove, which typifies the spirit, because my spirit will never strive with man again. Before God destroyed the earth with the flood, in Genesis chapter 6, he says that, verse 3, my spirit will not strive with man again because his flesh because his flesh. So the Spirit of God could not settle on man again. And so God then, Genesis chapter 6, that's where Noah came in, verse 6 and verse 7. Verse 8, Noah found favor, and God called Noah and wiped away everything. And uh, so after the flood, the Spirit was released. Okay, the dove was released, Genesis chapter 8. Noah sent the dove, and it was flying, looking for, the Bible said, it did not find rest for his feet. The dove found no rest for the soles of his feet. So the dove was, and then here comes Jesus Christ. When he came out of the water, finally, the dove has found a resting place, and the dove settles on him. Hallelujah. For generations, the world and the humanity was waiting for when the dove was settled again. And the dove, when Jesus Christ came, when I say the dove, I mean it typifies the spirit. When Jesus came out of the water, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. As soon as I said like a dove, it takes us to the days of Noah. Because the dove never found rest for his souls. But in the days of Jesus, when Jesus came out of the water, the dove finally finds, the spirit finds rest. And a light, the Bible says, I lighted, it rested. In John chapter 1, verse 33, he said, I do not know him, but he who sent me to baptize, the same said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining. Because there's place the spirit can find it. So the spirit comes and he said, the one, oh, good God. He says, upon whom? Say upon. upon. Say it again, upon. upon. Upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is the one which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's not just coming to settle on him because Jesus came with an assignment. Not only redemption. He should have said, it's the same who is going to redeem man from our sins. But John has covered that already in John chapter 1, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So taking away the sins of the world is not the final assignment of Jesus on earth. The final assignment of Jesus on the earth is that the Spirit of God will come upon people. And how is he coming? He's going to, he, Jesus himself, he's going to take you and plant you in the Spirit. Takes you and baptizes you in the Spirit. Take you. Ah, John said, I verily baptized with water. But there's one coming after me. He is the only human being. He is the only one who has the qualification to baptize anyone with the spirits. 
So he says that upon whom you see the dove or the spirit descending and resting, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Say Holy Ghost. So remember when Paul met some disciples in Acts chapter 19, asking them whether they've received the Holy Spirit. They said no. And he said, what were you baptized into? Verse 3. Verse 2 and then verse 3. And then he said, John's baptism. And he said, John's baptism was baptism of repentance. But he told them that they should believe on him which came after him. That is, on Jesus Christ. And when they heard these things, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now listen to this very carefully. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, it says that John baptized with water, but not many days from now. Oh, thank you, Lord. John, truly, his baptism was an authentic one. It wasn't fake. It was authentic baptism, reliable, with heavenly accreditation. His baptism was genuine. What John was doing was not fake at all. It was so solid. He said he truly baptized with water, but ye, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. But this, this is, these are the words of Jesus, watch this, after resurrection. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days, say not, not many days. Say it again, say not many days. I'm trying to get you to uh, get a certain picture. Jesus comes, the prophet spoke about the coming of the Messiah, and then when the Messiah arrives, he comes to teach. He was always teaching. He was always explaining things and healing the sick and doing miracles, and he was teaching, and he was teaching till the final week of his life on earth. The final week, the 24 hours before his death, he introduces something that he has never spoken about, taught the disciples about, which is captured in John chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. Entirety of much of it is talking about the Holy Spirit. So suddenly, he began teaching them about the Holy Spirit. He began teaching them about the Holy Spirit. He began telling them what he comes, when he comes, what he will do about the Holy Spirit. So he taught them. Now, before I do that, I go further into that. I want you to know that, you know, listen to this very carefully. When you read the book of John, Jesus kept telling them, I am going. He never spoke without talking about his departure. He always said he was going to the extent that sometimes, at a point in time, the Jews asked, where is he going? That he said, we can't come. He said, he told the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. And so they were asking, where is he going? That he can't? Is he going to go into the uh, uh, scattered region, diaspora, where the Jews are scattered, where we can't come? What, what, what does he mean by where I'm going, you cannot come? And then uh, in John chapter 14, he told his, he told his disciples, I, I, I am going to prepare a place for you. When I finish, I'll come. And that's when they started saying that. Um, and he told them that where I go, you know, and the way you know. And he said, I mean, what do you mean by we know where you are going? We don't even know the way. How can we know where you are going? And then he tells them in the verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, but he kept telling them, I am going, and I will come. I'm going, and I will come. He always told his disciples he was going, and he will come. Now, listen to this very carefully. Sometimes people read the scripture and they are confused because the way it is, it takes a certain heart for God and levels of studies and teaching to, and to capture certain things that are not just on the surface. When Jesus said, I am going and I'm, I will come, I'm going, say I'm going, I'm going. and I'll be back. Jesus always said that. When any time he said, I am going, you have to check the context within which he was saying it because 
I'm going and I'll be back meant three different things on three different circumstances. In one of them, when he said, I am going and I'll be back, when I say meant three different things, the duration, the duration. One of them, when he said, I'm going, I'll be back, the duration was going to be three days. Another one, when he said, I'm going, I'll be back, the duration was going to be 10 days. The other one, when he said, I'm going, I'll be back, the duration was going to be generations. So if you are not careful, and he said, I'm going, you will not be sure which of these ones is he talking about. Is it the three days journey one, or the 10 days one, or the generational one? So now, what do I mean by three days? The three days said, I'm going, I'm going to death, and I will return from the grave in three days' time. So when he said, I'll go and I'll come, he came back actually in three days' time after his death. He came. For instance, John chapter 14, verse 1, he said, let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe, believe in God, believe also in me. For verse 2, for in my father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, uh, I, I would tell you, I go to prepare a place for you. And look at the verse 3. I go, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive it. Which one is he talking about? That's why the scripture has troubled a lot of people and have concluded that there are mansions in heaven. It's still building. Jesus has gone to heaven and he's still building mansions. He's building. <laughs> Jesus builds nothing but the church. He doesn't build anything but the church. So when it, this one, you, that's, that's scripture. You have to know which of the I'm going is he talking about. Is it the three days one? Or is it the 10 days one? Or is it the generational one? Many people have concluded it's the generational one. And that has led a lot of people to interpret the scripture differently. But I submit to you, this is talking about the three days journey. Because it says that, verse 3, it says that, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. He said, now we are, Jesus is in the church, the church is in Christ. Before the resurrection, God couldn't be in man. It was impossible for God to inhabit man before the resurrection. But now, if you look at the verse 20, look at the verse 20 of this same text. The verse 20 says that, verse 20 please, it says that, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Now, this is where he said, where am you? We are, that day. What's that day talking about? After the resurrection, when we are all now in Christ, in, uh, Paul puts it better in this way, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, for you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are with him. Where we are, that's where we are. Where he is, that's where we are. We are in him, that's interesting. We are in him and he is in us. Now, so the three days journey is the cross and the resurrection. He came back. How about the 10 days? The 10 days one was... He left 40 days after he resurrected. So he resurrected 40 days. He was with them doing miracles. Bible said about, in Acts chapter 1 or so, about 500 people saw him. About 500 people. We don't know how many people started in the upper room. But some couldn't wait to the end. So there were only 120 left when the Holy Spirit came. But about 500 people saw him physically. The Bible said he showed himself alive to them. They saw him. They saw him. Yeah. To whom he showed himself alive after his passion. That his passion means after the cross. By many infallible, you can't deny it, undeniable proof, being seen of them 40 days. And he was speaking concerning the kingdom of heaven. 
They saw him. He showed himself. And so he was there for how long after the resurrection? Physically, and sometimes they'll be in a room. There, then he just shows up. He shows up. So you know what he was training them to do, his disciples? He was training them to know his place here without seeing physically. He had to train them. So he was there 40 days. Sometimes they'll be gathering and then you show up and you come and eat with them. Then he'll vanish. They can, so when they are talking, like Thomas said, if I don't see him, I won't believe. And then just John chapter 20, verse 26 somewhere there. And then he shows up again and he said, he addresses Thomas. Jesus shows up again and said to Thomas, Reach out hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach out hither thy hands, and thrust this into my side. Check it. But he wasn't here when I was saying that. The disciples will begin to realize, oh, okay, so he has not left. Because after he had left, Thomas came, and they said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas, the scientist, said, no, I need physical evidence. I won't let anybody deceive me in this matter. How can you tell someone, I saw him die? And now he said, no, I have to. And when I see him, I'm going to put my finger in the wounds to make sure he's the same one. The wounds, Jesus resurrected, the wounds were still there. The wounds are a sign of redemption. He's paid. So when you go to God, don't go and show your hands. It's not needed. His hands are already shown him before God that I've paid the price for him. I paid the price. Hallelujah. He said, I want to put my hands in this wound. But the beautiful thing is, the disciples who suddenly realized, ha, ah, but he wasn't here when Thomas was saying it. But he was here. So that means that all along he has not left us. He just shows up and he goes. He shows up for 40 days. What was he doing? Showing up and going. Showing up to the extent that by the time it's 40 days, they gathered, they knew he was there. Even though they couldn't see him. They knew he was there. He trained them how to live with his presence without physically seeing him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then after 40 days, after 40 days, he took them to the mount. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 46, 45. He opened their eyes that they understand that they may understand the scriptures. And then 46 tells them how the Christ needs to die, says seven, and all that. But let's go to 48 and 49. And the Bible says that, and you shall be witnesses of these things. Verse 49 says that, and behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. We'll come to that until you are endued with power from on high. The next verse. And he led them out as far as to Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. Look at the next verse. And it came to pass while he was blessing them. That's why it's good to receive the blessing before you leave the church service. Whilst he was blessing them, he was parted from them and carried into heaven. He was blessing them while he was going. The people whose hearts were sad when he told them, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. Now they return with joy after he left. Can you imagine? And not small joy, great joy. But sorrow had filled their heart when he told them, I'm going to go. Now what has changed? So now, I'll come to that. So watch this. 10 days, he was with them 40 days, and then he left, and he said, I'll come back. And on the day of Pentecost, 10th day after he left, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came. Jesus came in the form of the Holy Spirit. So now, that's, that's, so when he said, I'm going and I'll come, is it the three days cross resurrection or the 10 days period one ascension and pouring himself on the Spirit 
or the generational one which we are still waiting for the return of the Lord. And when you are reading the, the book of John or reading the Bible and you come across him saying, yeah, I will go, I'm going and I will come, you have to find out which of the I'm going is he talking about. That will help you to interpret the scripture very carefully. So Jesus knew he was going, but he knew he was coming. And if he said he was coming, and the last day he will come. But now, Jesus Christ taught them so much. Then before he left, he started teaching them about the Holy Spirit. Started teaching them about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to come. It's not just about redemption, but there's a bigger, there's a bigger agenda of God. There's a bigger plan of God. There's a bigger purpose of God, which has to do with human beings having the Holy Spirit upon them upon them, the Holy Spirit upon them. Now watch this very carefully. In the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 17, which we read, Peter said, he quoting from uh, Joel, it shall come to pass in the last day, says the Lord, that I will pour, say pour. Say it again. Pour. Pouring is like liquid, like water. The Spirit is epitomized with water sometimes, typified by water in the scriptures. And in Isaiah chapter 44 verse 3, he said, I'll pour water upon the land that is thirsty. And I indicated to you a few days ago that dryness is a sign of place where demons thrive. So God had to pour his spirit for evil spirits to live. So when your spirit, your life is dry, demons, oh, that's, that's a hiding place. Demons like hiding and inhabiting dry human beings. <laughs> as dried as dry fish, dry bones. <laughs> My prayer is that our, God should help us maintain the fervency of the spirit that none of our church services will ever become like that valley of dry bones. <laughs> the spirit said, I'll pour out, Isaiah chapter 44, verse three, I'll pour out. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15, says the same thing about the act of pouring. He said, I will pour, I will pour. God will say, the Spirit of God, until the Spirit is poured upon us, though the Spirit will be poured. Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 29, talks about how the Spirit, or the pouring of the Spirit upon us. Neither will I hide my face anymore from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel. I need you to understand this language of pouring is important because that's what Peter said in the last days it shall come to pass that I'll pour out my spirit. So this spirit is poured and in verse 33 says that now therefore be by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the father the promise of the Holy Ghost he has shed in some translation, I think New American Standard, one of the translations, he has poured out the same as shed. He has poured forth this upon us. He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. In Acts chapter 10, verse 45, when the Jews, the Jews who came with Peter, the circumcised Jews, when they found out that the Holy Spirit have been poured, do you see that? The Holy Spirit gets poured. It's like a bucket of water from somewhere. Poured to soak you. I see somebody getting soaked. When we talk about pouring, that means that it, it overflows. It affects other people around you. 
It affects everything around you. When God pours his spirit, when you drink, oh, when you drink of his spirit, watch it, when you drink of his spirit, it works on you. But when the spirit is poured out on you, it begins to affect others. It's not just you. It's more about others. Oh, I'm going somewhere. And so in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 22, for the first time in human history, Jesus said to human beings, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He breathed upon them. <sighs> Jesus breathed up. Before he said that, he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? As the Father has sent me, so send I you. How did he send me? He sent me with the supply of the Spirit. Ah. He sent me with the supplier of the Spirit. And so he says that, and when he has said this, he breathed on them and he said, Receive ye. <laughs> Receive ye the Holy Spirit. So they inhaled and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. There's something I want to teach you. Very important. So, why were they waiting on the day of Pentecost then? Because this is just before he resurrected. Within the 40 days, this happened within the 40 days. So why were they waiting in the upper room after he had left? In fact, before, just before he left, the scripture we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. That was just before, those were his final words. So his final words were not going to the world and preach the gospel. They've read your scriptures. Look at it, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Jesus' final words were not going to the world and preach the gospel. The final word Jesus told them before, he said, you shall receive power. You shall receive endowment after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Because the job of Jesus was to redeem us and not just redeem us, but plunge us into the Spirit, baptize us into the Spirit. That's when you can be useful to God. So he told them, go into the world to preach the gospel. But that was not the... After he had said that, just before you go, just before he left, in Acts chapter... One, from verse four, he said, I will tarry ye in Jerusalem. The same thing, the same thing in Luke. So it's the same, the same conversation. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Isn't that what we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, that tarry ye in Jerusalem. It's the same thing. He said, tarry ye in Jerusalem. So he told them, they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which ye have heard of me. And then he makes references to the baptism of John. Then he says that there's a, a bigger one coming. So he says that John truly baptized with water, but, but, uh, but, but not many days. Not. What, what we have been waiting for, Jesus said, is just days away. <laughs> he told them, it's days away. It's days away. Not many days from now. Not many days. I'm, I think I'm prophesying to somebody. Not many days from now. Not many days from now. United Kingdom. Not many days from now. Not many days from now. There's coming the baptism of the Holy Ghost upon individuals that will radicalize the United Kingdom for Jesus. Shout yes. He said, not many days from now. Why should you wait in Jerusalem? Because not many days from now. Let not to wait. Why? Because not many days from now. Not many days from now. And they went, Bible says they returned. So he said, not many days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days. Then they brought political questions. At what time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
financial prosperity is needed in this time, in the times of living, cost of living. <laughs> Jesus, times of cost of, all your church life has been about getting married. That's why you are so dry. All your church life is about getting a, a better job with more money, buying a new house. That kind of preaching is misleading the church. Over emphasis on material things, material possession, as, as though that's what Christianity is about. Give me a break. Over emphasis on material possession, human, human enjoyment. How about you, about you. It's not about you, I'm telling you. You don't matter that much, it's not about you. It's about Christ and the church. Shut up, you are in church not because the church needs you. You are in church because you need to fulfill your destiny in God. Grow up and understand it. The church does not need you. The church does not need you. Your destiny needs Christ and Christ is in the church. That gospel that has trivialized every other thing about the cross. And that's why you don't even hear preaching about the cross and Christ. Emphasis on the cross. Meanwhile, the early church, they were always emphasizing on these things. The cross, the Holy Spirit, saving of souls and building the church. Building the church. Sunday morning, you've come to church for a treat. Your dreams. <laughs> come to church to have a feel good factor because the week has been very stressful. Those things come when you come to God. Those things come, they come. You know you have a stressful week ahead, so you try to come to church and you laugh and then you die, you, you have some music. That's why you came late. You have some music and then and you have some preaching that will make you laugh out. Oh, this pastor's preaching is inspirational. It's all about you. That's why. What has it produced for the church through your life? They brought political questions. When he was talking about important things, they were talking about their existential issues, which you can understand there's nothing criminal or there's nothing evil about that, to talk about your existential issues, but materialism. So people are going to church so they can drive Ferrari. You are sick. <laughs> you, you, are, you won't even get punto, you. righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you that all these things is pointing to the things that are necessary for your assignment not the things others have there are a lot of things you don't need them you don't need them for the assignment God has called you for and you may never have them until you die so he said that Terry in Jerusalem and they brought a political existential issue because at that time the Roman was ruling, the Romans were ruling them and oppressing them. So they, want, they were looking for the Messiah who is coming and is going to be in the order of David. David never lost a battle. He was a very violent man. He fought everything God promised Israel. He fought and got it for Israel. And so they knew that there is a Messiah coming and the Messiah is going to be a son of David. You remember? Who did I say? He's a son of David. That means that he's also going to restore the Davidic kingdom to Israel where no, no, no nation shall subjugate Israel. Israel will be on top again. And then Jesus comes and the disciples were following him and then suddenly he tells them I'm going to die. I said, what? What no wonder Peter takes him aside and rebuke that devil. 
You are going to die for what? There's a kingdom to restore to Israel, which God has promised that there's a day of restoration coming. But they got it wrong. They thought it was the first coming that was bringing the restoration. But it's coming, second coming. The restoration is not all. It's definitely in the last days. So Joel said, it shall come to pass in the last days. Peter quoted Joel in the, said the last days. When you hear the last days, we are not, Peter, Peter, Acts chapter 2. Verse 17, when you hear the last days, we are not talking about final days of humanity. We are talking about a period starting from when Jesus was born. From when Jesus was born till our days. So we are in the last days. The last days started 2,000 years ago. That was the last days. God always spoke about the last days. And so in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, God, who in sundry times spoke by the prophet, in these last times, in these last days, in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, it points to the fact that the last days, hallelujah, the last days, in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation, but has been manifested in this last times for you the last days we are in the last days so really in the last days there's going to be the restoration of the kingdom to Israel but which period of the last day so it wasn't the, f- the first coming that was going to restore that. So when he resurrected, he was about to go. They were asking him political questions and existential issues that now that we have cost of living crisis what is the church going to do? People are, are becoming homeless. What is the church going to do? The church should set up centers for distribution of food. Since when did that become the job of the church? Oh, did you say that? The church is charity, says who? The job of the church is to build the church. I, I disagree with you, Pastor, no problem. <laughs> Keep reading your Bible. So are you trying to say the church shouldn't do charity? Did I say that? I didn't say that. The church has goodwill. The church does good. So where people are in need, the church can. But our job is not to build housing. Our job, primary job is not even to build schools. The church has been an an organism for helping humanity. But that is not our fundamental, initial, basic purpose or agenda. Our job description is not to feed the hungry. Our job description is to, it's not sales. (laughs) Our job description as a church, go into the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And he said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out. No organization can cast out demons. Even demonic places where you go and then they can relieve you of demon, they give you a stronger one, which manifests later. But they don't, they don't clear demons. It's only the church. Jesus said, if I, by the finger of God, Luke chapter 11, verse 20, if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, then you should know the kingdom of God is, is in your midst or is upon you. So it's only the church that can cast out devils. It's only the church that can lay hands on the sick for them to be recovered. Lay hands on the sick to be recovered. The church organizations can do that. Can your school do that? Even hospitals can lay hands on the sick. They just inject the sick for them to recover. But the church can. Oh, I feel like preaching now. <laughs> so they brought existential issues to distract and to derail the main agenda of Jesus Christ after resurrection. 
And he told them that it is not in your power to know what God has set in his power. It is not for you to know when the times are going to change for all the restitution. It's going to happen. But now your focus should be verse 8. He said, but you shall receive power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. After when the Holy Ghost come upon you, other things don't matter. What matters most, you fulfill your assignment when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Mary said to the angel, how can these things be? Since I know no man. Luke chapter 1 verse 34. Verse 35, the angel said, the Holy Ghost shall come higher. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Shall pour out your spirit. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he comes to his disciples, he taught them so, so many things. But before he taught them, guess what he died? As we read from John chapter 20, verse 22, he breathed upon them, receive you the Holy Spirit. Do you know what they did? Do you think they did? That's a good question. Did they receive it? Was he playing? Or he was just trying to try and see whether they are interested? No. He breathed and they received. Now, so is there a difference between that and the Holy Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost? There is. Really? If you want to know, I'll tell you. Are you sure you want to know? <laughs> Before the cross, the Spirit of God could not inhabit man. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, as it's written, curse in one hand of the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, verse 14, that come upon us, the Gentiles, that we, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise. So without salvation, you can't receive the Spirit. So when Jesus resurrected from the dead, remember he told uh, Mary to go and tell his disciples that I go, chapter 20, verse 17, yeah, John 20, 17. It says that, go and tell my, uh, touch me not, go and tell my brethren, New King James, go and tell my brothers. For the first time, Jesus Christ calls his disciples my brothers. Why? Because we share a common father. That is when now human beings can have God as their father after the resurrection. That's why I said, I'm going when I come. Where I will be, you'll be. So he said, go and tell my brethren. Go and tell my brothers. He addresses them as brothers. Remember Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined. Those he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Why? That Jesus, his son, might be the firstborn amongst many what? Brethren. Now we are no more just disciples. We are brethren. We are children of God. We are sons of God. Why? Because we have the new birth. We have the spirit of God in us. And now that we are in Christ, anyone who is in Christ, he's a child of God. And that is what the resurrection did for us. And so when he resurrected and met the disciples, he said, now the Holy Ghost can dwell in you. So he breathed, watch this, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And what happened? The Spirit of God enters into them. He enters into them. For Romans chapter 8 verse 2, he said, for the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set, now that is the job of the Spirit of life. That's the life of God coming as the Spirit of God into you. That is for your personal essential living. It's essential for your spiritual living. Your, without the Spirit, you can't have life of God. So the Spirit of God comes into you so you can be a child of God, so you can have the life of God. Whether you speak in tongues or not, if you are born again, the Spirit of God is in you. 
If you are born again, the Spirit of God is in you. Whether you speak in tongues or not, whether you believe in tongues or not, whether you believe in miracles or not, if you are born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 9 says that, now if anyone has not the Spirit of Christ, it's none of his. So then if you have the Spirit of, if you are one of Christ, you have the Spirit of Christ. Verse 11 says, if that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if the, if the Spirit, if the Spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? In you. That's where, what determines you are being born, you are born again. So when he breathed into them and he said receive it, they received the Spirit in them, which is different from the Spirit coming upon you. Come on, I feel like preaching. So on the last day of the feast, in John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus stood with a loud voice and said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. And Bible says that, for he was talking about the spirit which they should receive, but for at that time Jesus had not been glorified. Now this really was pointing drinking into you, drinking, receiving the spirit into you, which is different from the spirit being poured up. Oh. So when he resurrected from the dead, they drank the spirit. Receive it. They drank the spirit. But he said, wait, because you need to work. The spirit in you is essentially for your living, for your living as a Christian, as a child of God. But the spirit on you is not for you. It's for the, for the church. It's for the world. The power to do, to, for, to, fulfill, to fulfill the purpose of God. He said, you have to wait. So when you read the scriptures very carefully, Bible says in Jesus, uh, sorry, David, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, and the spirit of God came up. Ooh. Ah. The spirit of God. Why? Because he was now about to carry on an assignment. The Spirit of God came upon because of the assignment. At the same time, verse 14, the Spirit of that Spirit left Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled Saul. Pastor, what's that? Leave it alone. <laughs> an evil spirit troubles, but the point is, the Spirit, Saul's assignment was over. Now, he moved from David and came upon, uh, sorry, Saul and came upon David. When you read the book of Judges, chapter 14, verse 6, verse 19, you will see all throughout in the book of um, uh, Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 14, and the Spirit of the Lord came on somebody. He always came upon, he always came upon. In Isaiah, chapter 42, verse 1, he comes upon. In Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 1, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach that when it comes upon you, when it's poured upon you, it's for you to wait. It's for wait. It's a it's like a uniform. It's like your uniform to work for the Lord. Shall pour your spirit upon us, O Lord. When Jesus shows up on the scene after his baptism, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon. Not in me. Say upon, upon. I'll pour out my spirit upon. Oh, I feel like preaching now. I'll pour out my spirit in the last days. In the last days after the cross, I'll pour out my spirit upon. It's like something has been poured on you. And suddenly, you begin to be able to function in the capacity of what the Holy Spirit can do to you. And this is what it is like. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, this is essentially what it means. 
It's like the Spirit of God has worn you, has come to wear you like gloves. So you are doing this, they see you, but there's a spirit upon you. You do this, it's the spirit upon you. You do this, it's the spirit upon you. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach. When I speak, they will, we will be seeing you. Your husband will just see you as you. Your wife will see you as you. Your colleagues will see you as you. But there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a, how come you are preaching on the street, you are talking to somebody, you are talking to a colleague, and suddenly they are crying, you are wondering. Oh, what, did I say something? You are wondering. No, it's not you. It's not you. The Spirit is wearing 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 you. And if that's why the Bible said Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. That means he takes you and plunges you in the Holy Spirit. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is operating in us when you are baptized. Why do you think in Acts chapter 6, it says that for us to have deacons to serve tables, hospitality team, they must be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the only way you can do church work is when you are filled. Not your talent. We don't need your talent. Excuse me. We don't need your talent. We don't need your talent. We, what we want, we want, your talent is still dry. It's still dry. Girl, you are too dry. Boy, you are too dry behind the instruments. You are too dry behind the sound. You are too dry. Asha, you are too dry. You are too dry. Sister Asha, you are too dry. Brother Hostim, you are too dry. Sister Quarista, you are too dry. Mr. Preacher Man, you are too dry. Oh, go, go get yourself wet in the Holy Ghost. Go get yourself wet in the Holy Ghost. For the Holy Ghost will come upon you. If there is anything we need as a church, it's not millionaires. Excuse me. We can do without millionaires in our church. We can do without social media. But we can't do without Holy Spirit. We can't do without the Holy Spirit. All you've been looking for is your personal breakthrough. That's why when we see you, it's like a lifeless glove. Everything you are doing in church, hospitality, um, Sanctuary keeping, security protocol, that's you. What you are doing, unbelievers can do. And even more. And it won't change anybody's spirit. But not when the Holy Ghost. Not when the Holy Ghost. Not that when the Holy Ghost takes over. We have a peculiar problem as human beings. Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, the Spirit of God inhabits you. Then when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God comes upon you. But for some reason, the human issue is we keep leaking. Oh, I know, I know you know you are leaking. Because last week, the way you were filled with the Holy Ghost, what's happening now? What's going, what's going on now, man? What's happening, man? You get it dry. Your water level is so low. That's why some desires are coming back. That's why serving is becoming a chore. That's why you are getting tired too quickly of preaching. Your water level is very low. But I see God pouring His Spirit upon Your biggest desire 
your greatest desire is what only Jesus can do. Lord, give us a supply of your spirit. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. What we need if we are asking for revival. What is revival? It's just when the Spirit is poured out upon people, so that others outside begin to hear sound they can't understand. Oh, yeah. They hear sound they can't understand. They hear sound from you you can't produce. They hear sound coming from you which you can't produce. And it makes them stop to watch you. He says in Acts chapter 2, verse 33, Jesus, oh, let me say this and end. You see, after the resurrection, he breathed upon them. <sighs> Receive it. But for the outpouring of the Spirit, he needed to be resurrected, ascended, and seated. So in verse 33, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received, oh, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, what he has now poured, he has poured forth, give us a new American standard. He has now, having received of the Father, he has poured forth this. Watch this, when the Holy Ghost comes, you won't have to tell people. They will see and they will hear. They will see and they will hear. But not just when he breathes in you. When you are born again, that's different. After you are born again. That's why Paul, meeting some disciples in Acts chapter 19, he says that, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we don't know what he said. That. And after all that deliberations, he prayed. He laid his hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they started to speak in tongues and glorifying God. After born again, there is deeper. There are higher heights. There are deeper seas. Whatever you need to do, Lord, do in me the glory of God. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. We pray you have been strengthened and enlightened. You can connect with David Entry on all relevant social media platforms, including Instagram and LinkedIn. You can also hear many more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms and the Carriage Church app. Don't forget to like and share the message. Be blessed.